Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot. Oh, my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host, who I'm bringing on the air right now, Patricia Kirkman. And tonight, we have a very special guest, one of our dearest friends in the world. Robert Luca is here, and we are going to be talking with him about government harassment of UFO abductees. And I just cannot wait to hear what he has to say. There are going to be some firsts tonight because we are going to be talking about things that he has never shared with the audience before. So this is going to be a very exciting night, and we're going to bring Bob on a little, just a few minutes. We've got some things to take care of first, an interesting numerology segment, and paranormal news. So, PK, how are you doing tonight? Well, outside of the fact that I haven't totally melted away, we're doing really good. We well, had a hundred years on today. Ay, ay, ay. I don't yes. know what to even say when I hear those kinds of numbers. That is unbelievable. Gosh. Well, we've got rain coming. Rain is coming, as they tell us. We're about ready for the monsoons to start within the next couple oh, of days. So oh, that, well, uh, that'll be a welcome relief, huh? Yes, that it will. That it will for sure. How lucky we are to have Robert Luca with us tonight. This is I going know, to be I know. Quite a show. We had it some be. talk uh, earlier about uh, Janice Joplin and the young lady that was on uh, the talent show last night. And you know what? Unfortunately, although she sounds like Janice Joplin, Courtney, I can't find a connection between the two. How funny, because, you know... Yeah. When we watched it last night, as soon as she started singing, Kim and I just turned to each other and said, Janice Joplin, this is Janice Joplin, reincarnated. And then uh, one of the judges, Howie, said, mentioned Janice Joplin and how her career got started. But, you know, just the way she moved, the way the hair was in her face, it, it was all just so amazing. And, I mean, to me, that was Janice Joplin. And I... Even though there's no connection from a numerological standpoint, there may not be when people go from one lifetime to another. 
to me, that looked like her, and I don't, I can't even describe it. But I'd be interested to hear if any of our listeners saw that performance. If you missed it, it's on our Facebook page. So right. uh, go take a look at it and let us know what you think. If you think that that is, has any resemblance to Janis Joplin from years ago, that tremendously talented uh, star, and let us know. But, I, I mean, it was just too strange for both of us to turn to each other and at the same time say Janis Joplin. Um, so it's quite unusual, I think, but she definitely reminded us of the late Janice. So. Definitely. But when you look at Janice Joplin's uh, chart, she has uh, a lot of power, but at the same point in time, she had issues with females. She had issues with details. She had issues with anything to do with drugs, okay? This little oh, girl was on last night. All of her chart is about me, my, and I, except for one small segment where it came to her being creative and putting things out there and dealing with change. So she's an extremely creative little gal who's going to, her talent is going to go very far, but she has very low self-esteem. So she goes within herself, and when the music comes out, that is the part of her that's been hidden. So she brings uh-huh. it out, her ability to communicate on that level, but this is a very, uh, shall we say, inward child. Now, the, the first vowel, first consonant in her name tells me there's a lot of creativity there, which deals with putting things out for the world at large. So her creativity is very strong, and it's universal. So her opportunities to go forward are going to be very, very good. She's in a sixth personal year right now, and I will make you a bet when they got her ready for the show, she was in her five years was when they were getting things laid out. So that's when major changes can take place. But she's a very uh-huh. sensitive and she does have a lot of power because seeing somebody who has so many uh, areas in her chart that it's all solo, me, my, and I, and that's exactly when she started singing, that's exactly where she went. She went in with herself. There was nothing more there but what she had to offer the world, and it came out as a roar. It was beautiful. Yeah, it really did. It was just, I mean, I was expecting her to sing opera. You know how these little girls come out, and they've got these big voices, and they sound like Charlotte Church. But this just totally took me by surprise. But it's very interesting. I mean, certainly Janice had a tough life, and she was uh, addicted to so many drugs, and she was a very lonely person. In fact, a sad story about the night of her death is that she uh, was expecting a couple of friends to come over and keep her company, and they didn't show up. And it was then that she decided that she was going to do uh, some heroin, and apparently it was extremely strong heroin, and it ended up uh, causing her death. So very sad uh, situation with uh, the way she passed away. Very sad. Um, so talented, so eccentric, but so much herself. And I guess that's why this little girl reminded us of her. So, and I hope, I'm glad to hear she doesn't have the same challenges because Janice's challenges were insurmountable. So it's good that this little girl does not, does not have this. I'm hearing a lot of noise in the background and I know we all had to go to the phones tonight because Skype was not working properly. So um, anyways, we're going to have to. If you do, it's the air conditioner that's on in the room. If it's no, I'm hearing them. those. Feed, I'm, what I'm hearing is feedback. So it's, oh. it's some electronic feedback. 
So I know you were shutting your computer down and um, all yeah. of that, making sure your mic is off, but I'm still hearing a lot of uh, disturbance in the background. So during the break, I'm going to try Skype one more time and see if I can at least clear my line. So I apologize in advance for any strange noises. Um, but this is what happened. All three of us tried to get on Skype tonight to make our calls into the board, and uh, none of us could make it happen. So something was going wrong at, at every level to prevent us from using Skype, which gives us a much better sound. Do you think that so, how is it be Robert to talk about what he's got to say? It <laughs> could be we're being blocked somehow. <laughs> wouldn't, it wouldn't be a surprise. You know, it would not be a surprise. It's not the first time this has happened that way. And it's funny, every time I complain to Block Talk, oh, we had some problems last night. They always say, do you have a paranormal show? Because it only happens on the paranormal show. So there you have it. I know. I know. It's it's just really, really not always. I know. I know. So you're on your cell phone right now, right? Yes, I am. Okay, and I'm on mine, and I think Bob's on on his, so we're going to have to see if we can switch this out at the break and see if it makes any difference. But in the meantime, what we've got to do is get our illustrious guest on the air, and I want to tell everybody a little bit about Bob Luca. In case you don't know who he is, you really really need to know, because Bob is married to a very beautiful woman who is one of my closest friends, Betty, Andreas, and Luca. She looks like Elizabeth Taylor. She's just gorgeous. And Mm -hmm. anyway, so he is a lucky man. He is married to Betty. Both of them are UFO abductees. And Betty was the focus of a New York Times best-selling book called The Andreasen Affair that was written by Raymond Fowler. It's a great book. It was just reprinted a couple of years back, so you can still buy this book now on Amazon.com. Highly recommended. And then Benny and Bob uh, went about their lives after the Andreasen affair came out. They had many more experiences with UFOs and with aliens, but most importantly, they had experiences with possibly the government, possibly the shadow government. All we know is it was unpleasant. And we're going to be sharing all the details of this with our audience tonight. And Betty and Bob wrote a new book. It's called A Lifting of the Veil. It's also available on Amazon. Again, it's a great book. It will bring you right up to date on all of their experiences from the time the Andreas and Affair book came out in 1979, 1980, until today. And like I said, Bob is going to be sharing some secrets tonight, some stuff he's never shared on the air. So we're very lucky tonight that he is going to share these things with us and i'm going to bring him on we've got so much to talk about i got to bring him on here right now so bob welcome to the show oh thank you it's a pleasure to be with you ladies thank you for having me oh we're delighted to have you with us yes 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 always look forward to talking to you (laughs) oh that's good (laughs) so start us out with the first episode that you had, knowing that somebody was watching you, the government or whatever, we're going to get into who we think it is, but tell us the first time you noticed that something was going on. It basically started when the first book, just before the first book was published, um, 
two offices seemed to take an interest in us. That was the military with uh, unmarked helicopters and the IRS. Um, the IRS <laughs> oh, decided no. that they, they wanted to help us keep track of our finances, I guess, what it was. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, we, were living in, <laughs> we were living in Meriden, Connecticut at the time, and uh, we started to notice these black unmarked helicopters flying over the house at various times of the day. And the flights got quite frequent to the point where the woman next door to us, who was a city councilwoman, started to document the times of the uh, overflights. And at, at times, they were so low that it would it would literally rattle the windows in the house. And we didn't think a whole lot about it at first. I, I wrote it to Ray Fowler and told him what was going on. And he said, well, you're, you're probably in a flight path, which, you know, is quite plausible. But um, it turns out that we weren't in a flight path. And later on, and I had gotten, I had taken many photos, but they didn't really show much. So I got a better uh, lens to the camera. And even with binoculars or the camera, there were no visible markings on the aircraft. Now, that's in violation of federal aviation uh, laws. <clears throat> and I knew this because I was taking flying lessons at the time. So that went on. We were at that house for about a year, and the flights were fairly consistent. But then we moved to Cheshire, Connecticut. And we thought, well, that's that. You know, we're moved to a different town. End of story. Well, strange things started even before we get into the house, we had dropped the girls off at school in Cheshire, Connecticut, and uh, told them, when you're, when you're out of school, go to the new house. Well, we were at the closing when they got out of school, and when they got there, there were people inside the house, and they said they were the phone company. Well, the house was locked, and we didn't even have the key yet. We were still at the closing. Oh, my being, goodness. Yeah, being still relatively new with this, we didn't think too much of it. We thought, well, okay, they got in, they hooked up the phones and whatnot. But <clears throat> that was just the beginning. A few days after we had moved in, maybe a week, uh, maybe 10 days, the helicopter flight started. And they were reasonably low and fairly often. So... I got determined that I said, well, I'm going to find out whose helicopters these are. And over a period of two or three years, I contacted the military, the FAA, the CIA, the FBI, the Army, the National Guard. And even though I had photos and recorded the time, the compass heading, the approximate altitude, and pictures, no one could tell me whose helicopters these were. However, when I was talking to the Federal Aviation Administration General Aviation District Office in Boston, as we were in their jurisdiction, one of the fellows offhandedly remarked to me, he said, that sounds like a CIA operation. And I thought, like, you know, well, that's, yeah, that's kind of silly. I mean, you know, who are we? We, we don't warrant that kind of attention. Well, Things got a little worse as time went on. 
we didn't really know why we were being monitored. We knew that Betty and Barney Hill had been monitored um, from Pease Air Force Base. Their telephone had been tapped. We knew that. But we didn't expect the level of surveillance that we were getting. But it got, it got worse. By 82, Larry Warren had come to Betty and I, and Larry Warren, as you know, was one of the witnesses to the UFO landing outside of Bentwaters Air Force Base in England. Yes. Well, he came. Yeah. He came to us. He told us the whole story. We put him in touch uh, with Larry Fawcett because he was doing a book at the time called Clear Intent, uh, what the government knows about UFOs. And the story broke and became public. Well, our surveillance intensified at that point. And then I started to get the idea. And over the years, what I've determined is there's several reasons why we had such intense surveillance for so long. One, if the government thought you had a legitimate UFO sighting or experience, they're going to monitor you. Two, of course, Larry Warren had come to us and that story was broken on the Bentwaters Air Force Base landing. Three, there were predictions given to Betty, and they were very interested, apparently, in those predictions. So it gave them all the more reason to keep an eye on us. They tapped our telephone, as you know. Oh, yes. We were followed, we were followed everywhere we went by cars, and on several occasions I managed to get behind the cars that were following us, and I gave the plate numbers to Larry Fawcett, who ran them through police computers, <laughs> excuse me, and uh, they turned out the, the plates were unissued. Now, your average <laughs> person is not driving cars with unissued plates. Now, to make it even more interesting, early on, uh, Betty was contacted by a Mr. Ramadan from the United Nations. He wanted her to write down the complete story of everything that she had seen and experienced and pass it in to him at the UN. Now, that things like that start to get your attention. Yeah, so what was that get, about? Why did somebody from the UN want Betty to report to him? I don't know, but he was very interested because I still have his card with not only his number at work, but his home number and his weekend number. So oh he was goodness. he was very interested. So as time went by, these helicopter flights got to be really nuisance. I mean, they came over our house very low. They were witnessed by Larry Fawcett. They were witnessed by a newspaper reporter from the Hartford Current. They were witnessed by neighbors. And they even followed us when we gave talks at uh, individuals' homes. And one who I remember very well uh, was this woman named Patricia who lived in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, were, I remember we that. <laughs> Sounds like somebody I know. <laughs> well, the interesting yeah. thing is, I always wondered about the technology they were using because Betty had finished her talk, and I just started talking about the helicopters. And you know what happened? The, the helicopters oh, showed yeah. up right outside your home. They did. They were there right, right. on you, and they were low. I mean, they were flying so low that the backwash was bending the trees. That's how low exactly. they were. But so you could you could probably chalk that up to hey, what a coincidence. Except a few <laughs> weeks later we're doing a talk for a dentist in New Britain, Connecticut. Betty finished her talk. I started on the helicopters, guess what? 
Huey showed up right on cue. So yes. now you've got a double coincidence. This is getting really interesting. A few weeks later, we're doing another talk for a construction uh, company owner in Meriden, Connecticut. Betty finishes her talk. I start on the helicopters, and boom, there they are, right there. Well, not only did we experience things like that, that he was at the store, um, we were get, getting wallpaper for the house that we had just gotten into, and she's in front of a big plate window in front of the store, and this Huey comes over, and there's a man sitting in the Huey with his legs on the landing skids, and he's got a big camera, and he's taking pictures of her. Oh, <laughs> also, yeah. We also had that experience. We're sitting in the outdoor movies in Southington, Connecticut, and somebody ran up. This is at nighttime. Ran up, took some quick pictures with a flash, blinded me. I couldn't see, and they ran off. Then on another occasion, we were in Florida. We were at a laundromat, and we were staying at a campground. We went to the laundromat to get our clothes washed and all, and this car pulls into the drive. Man jumps out, comes right up to the front door, takes a quick picture, runs back to his car, and he's starting to take off. Well, I got to the doorway in time to catch him, or his car before he left, and I got the license plate. And meanwhile, Betty went over to the manager, and she said, are you selling this place or something? Is there a reason someone's taking pictures? And they said, no, there's no reason at all. Anybody should be taking pictures of laundromat. Well, when we got home, again, I gave the uh, plate number to Larry Fawcett. He ran it through the computers, and it came back as unissued. So oh, my God. My, my determination, this was FBI. Um, I'm certain of that. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. And the people they were using, i got to say this, and I hope some of them are listening, they weren't very good because we caught them often. <laughs> and as yeah. I said... I was able to get behind the cars that were following us on more than one occasion. So <laughs> they, they must have been probably, ent- this probably entry-level people. Yeah, I'm say, you could say to them, should we ride together and save gas? You know? <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, well, I can't imagine how much money they spent just in the surveillance, that they, the time they spent in the people involved and watching us. I mean, they were watching us 24-7. One time we got away from them. Um, we got up about 2 o'clock in the morning, and we decided to go to Florida, so we went and hooked up our camp trailer and left for Florida. This was on a Sunday morning. On Wednesday, two FBI agents showed up at my job, and they wanted to know where I was. Only nobody could tell them because I didn't tell anybody where I was going. So when we got back, yeah, they, they must have been frustrated. When we got back, um, they told us that the FBI had been there. So we went to the federal building in New Haven and said, okay, here we are. What do you want? And, of course, their answer was standard. We can't confirm nor deny that we were at your place of employment, even though my coworkers and and my supervisor all said the FBI was here and they had photo ID. So the other thing was they had more than one outfit watching us because we were on our way to Florida and we just randomly stopped at a KOA campground. I mean, we just decided on the spur of the moment that we drove far enough, we're going to stop for the night and all. 
we're there 20 minutes, and somebody comes down from the office and says to Betty, your son has uh, called. Well, that was impossible because he didn't know we were there. Yeah. I mean, it's just silly. So we decided after after a period of time, we decided, well, we're going to have a little fun with them. So I have a friend that was in the military, and he built me an exact replica of a surface-to-air missile. So we took it home to Cheshire, <laughs> and we waited, and eventually along came the sound of a Huey helicopter. Again, the rotor sound is quite distinctive on those. So we mm-hmm. ran and set it up on the cement patio in back of the house, on the, on the um, south side of the house. Now, I knew what he could see because I had flown over the house myself. So I knew exactly what he'd see at that altitude and when he'd see it. <laughs> So we sat there, and I told Betty, I said, watch, this should be fun. Well, the guy just cleared the roof of the house, and as that missile came into view, and it was full size, an exact replica on a cement pad, as soon as that came into view, that helicopter snapped to the right so hard, I thought the blades were going to pull off the thing. And he did an invasive mover away from the house, and he headed off back in the direction he came from. I told Betty, you know, I said, you watch it. This guy's going to go back where he came from, get a shower, and probably change his underwear at the same time. Because <laughs> yeah, I think that's that put right. a good scare into him. But it should. The thing is, I, mean, I never, well, that proves to me, the other thing we're looking for, are they really looking at us at our house? Well, that pretty well, much told us they were looking down in our yard, that's for sure. And... You never had anything against any of the guys that were flying the planes because they're just doing what they were told, and they're they're following orders. And sometimes it was so obvious that it was pathetic. We were in um, a campground called Fort Christmas off of Route 50 near Cape Canaveral in Florida, and there's a lot of pine trees and whatnot, so we got a lot pulled in there, and it was just a little clearing over a lot. And a small observation helicopter comes in. It's a two-man helicopter. And it stops right over the clearing. And this guy's taking pictures of us. I want to oblige him. I want. I got my camera. I got two pictures of him before he got me, dropped below the tree line. I mean, it's so obvious. that It's ridiculous. But this is what and we went through for two decades. Yeah, this is yeah. never really stopped. And I remember when I contacted Larry Fawcett about your case and the investigation mm-hmm. ongoing. And I said, if you need a sociologist, I'm happy to help. And that's how I met you all. But three days after, yeah. uh, after I met you, then the helicopters started coming over my house. And this was yeah. in the middle of the night. This is two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. And again, so low, it kept bending the trees like in half. It, it was just an unbelievable scene to watch. It was like something out of a movie. And just like you were saying, why are they so interested? I'm thinking, what the heck do they care about me? I'm just a little peon that's going to be participating in a UFO investigation. What's the big deal? You guys don't even think there are UFOs, so you say. So, you know, it's, it, but it got, it got old, didn't it, the whole thing? Yeah, and it, it it's pretty disturbing because you really, it is intimidating. Um, they tried I think one of the things that they were doing, and I was told this outright, um, that it was for intimidation to get us to basically to shut up. 
And um, well, let me let me move up a little bit and talk. There were several times we had threats, and here's it started. We were doing a lecture in 1981 at MIT, and Dr. Alan Hynek, who you remember, was a scientific advisor for the Air Force. He rushed right. over to Betty during a break, and he didn't say hi, Betty, how are you? Anything he said. Uh, stick to philosophy and leave the military out of this. Because at that time, I had been calling the Pentagon, calling NASA. I mean, I was bothering everybody trying to get some some answers. And, mm-hmm. you know, there weren't any coming. So that I think that was nice of them to, in other words, give us a heads up, you know, kind of knock it off or ease up, whatever, and, which we didn't. The next thing we were at a lecture, <laughs> we were lecture in Phoenix. Inside, huh, Robert? <laughs> well, you know, when you want answers, you want answers. You figure in this That's country, right. by God, it's supposed to be a free country, and you're entitled to these, and it's not up to the government to decide what they want to tell you or what they don't, especially when they're committing illegal acts against you. Exactly. So, you know, and we, that's we were a very important point, that. because you were not and you are not criminals. And there was no reason for you to have your phones tapped and to be followed everywhere you went. That was a violation of your civil rights. And, again, there was absolutely no reason to tail you like that and to harass you like that and try to intimidate you. But it's something that that went on for so and still goes on today, I believe, with you. Well, you know, what makes you wonder is what is it that they really knew? that they didn't want you to know. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it continued because uh, a year or two later, we're doing a lecture in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And during a break, I had talked about the helicopters and the military and some other things. And during the break, this man approached me, and he was very much military. He stood very erect, had a short buzz cut, haircut. His shirt was buttoned straight down the center, even with his belt buckle. His pants were tightly creased, the shoes were shiny, <laughs> and I said, this guy is military or intelligence or something. But anyway, right. he said, and these were his words, he said, we, he didn't say they, he said, we are only sending the helicopters so we don't have to hurt you. And oh, my. So I just, yeah, I said, thank you, and that was <laughs> it. That was the end of that. Thank then, you so much. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend, uh, well, let's say, yeah, a friend that had gotten up there in government. He was an advisor to the White House, and he stopped by the house one day, and he asked me to come outside, and he told me that he had been in a meeting with the CIA and that they had been talking about us and that we should be careful. And that, that He didn't say anything specific other than that we should be careful. So I said, well, okay, you know, but we still didn't change anything because we wanted answers. Next one, um, I had hooked up a recorder on our telephone. So when oh, I picked this up is a the good phone, one, but I'm going to have you hang on for just a couple minutes because we're going to take a really short break, Bob. And I, good to I, me. I can't wait to tell this story. Just a few minutes of commercials. We will be right back. Everybody, you're listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? 
Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With cosmic fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? All Astridian products contain the proprietary redox technology having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200 an hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging, and as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Astridium family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti-Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Astridian. Visit www.astridian.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Astridian, the beauty of being healthy. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I'm here with my co-host, all the way from Tucson, PK. And you can find Patricia Kirkman at patriciakirkman.com. And she is available for great numerological readings. 
again, at patriciakirkman.com or on our website, which is supernaturalgirlswithaz.com. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter, The Fringe Files, and make sure you go to our Facebook page because when you follow us, you get all the latest paranormal news. You don't want to miss it. So we are speaking tonight with Robert Luca. He is here with us, and we're talking about government harassment of UFO abductees, and it is not a pretty picture. So, Bob, you are about to share a phone tapping experience. So please go ahead with that one. Good one. <laughs> well, you know, some of these were just silly if you stop and think about it, although at the time you never know if they're serious or not. Um, yeah. I had a recorder hooked up, uh, hooked up on the phone so that any calls incoming or outgoing would be automatically recorded. Well, one evening, Betty and I are at the house in Cheshire, and the phone rings. I pick it up, and the guy asks, us, is this Robert Luca? I say, yeah. Well, I can't use the same language, but basically they threatened to come and severely <laughs> beat me. <laughs> so oh, I said, I said to the guys, well... I'm going to make sure you have the right address. I said, do you have a pencil? He said, yeah. So I told him where he could stick the pencil. And he turned around. And he had this low, comical voice. He must have been with somebody. And he said, he told me stick the pencil. And, you you know, the rest. So, and, you know, not knowing it, if this is the case or not, I loaded up my 12-gauge shotgun. I said, well, if somebody comes through that door, they're going to go out quicker than they come in. That's the attitude I have. Your home is your castle, and nobody belongs in there if you don't want them there. Nobody showed up. Yeah, nobody showed up, so that was the end of that. The other thing that was was scary for Betty, she got in her car one morning. We were living, um, we had bought a large trailer, and I was working six months in Connecticut and six months in Florida at the time. And she went to get in her car to go to her job, and in the back seat, someone put a big jar, like a a half-gallon jar, with dead, rotted meat in it. Oh, And, yeah, I take that as a threat. (laughs) I don't know how else you could take it. But in between, what I wanted to mention, we had sold the house in Cheshire, and you remember, Patricia, we stayed with you for a short time before we got the uh, trailer. Yes. And I remember. your house, you remember what happened at your house? Oh, my God, yes. Now, I remember uh, I woke up and Why don't Homer, you explain that? Yeah, Homer, our new puppy, about six months old, is a coonhound, and he was downstairs on the first level, and he was barking and barking and barking, and he was. it sounded like he was following somebody through the house. And so... I know what you guys were thinking it was us. We were thinking it might be you that was down there. And so nobody, thank God, went down there. I'm glad nobody did because I think it, it could have been a bad experience. <laughs> but what happened was um, the, whoever broke in, they didn't set off the alarm. The, the house was armed with an alarm, and, and the alarm never went off. And the person came in through one sliding glass door, and it, they left through the garage. So there were two opportunities to set the alarm off and it never went off. From there, what what I did was I called Beatrice Lidecker, who I'm sure a lot of our audience knows who she, she is. She is one of the very first animal communicators. And again, this is way back in the 80s. And 
I called Beatrice and I said, would you please speak with Homer? This, we had an experience. We don't know what this exactly was, but he is the one who witnessed it. And Homer described to Beatrice that it was a woman who broke into the house and he knew she wasn't supposed to be there. And he followed her all the way through to the garage where she exited. And I remember that Bob, you and I discussed that. And since Mm -hmm. you were armed, you were saying they probably sent a woman because you'd be less likely to shoot a woman. And so uh, that's who had broken maybe. in. That's true. Maybe that might have been their subject. thinking, but it probably wasn't in, your thinking. <laughs> well, right? in those days, you know, in those days, my, my firearm was just like American Express. I wouldn't go anywhere without it because we mm-hmm. were followed everywhere. Um, that's right. There's a couple couple other things I forgot to mention, too, that are interesting um, with the helicopters. The Federal Aviation Administration, I had talked to a man named San Martino, and he was so interested, he came all the way down from Boston to our home in Cheshire on a Saturday morning. And unfortunately, we weren't home, and he didn't call ahead. But he did leave a note on the door. So Monday or Tuesday, um, I called the FAA, the same number that I had talked to him at before, and guess what? He was no longer there, and they didn't know where he was. I found that quite interesting because yeah. years later, Connecticut Magazine did an article on us. They tracked him down, and it seems he had a little lapse of memory, too. It was nothing. They were seeing the helicopters. Uh, they must have been uh, the shading or the lighting. There was nothing to it. Uh-huh. And yeah, so but you know the that reason, they had talking to with him. Oh, absolutely! But it gets even better. When we were in Higginham, we left to do a lecture in California. So while we were gone, uh, our RV was broken into. The only thing taken was two drawings, detailed drawings that Betty had done of the lower part of the craft she saw, which is the propulsion system. Now, I had because we were um, in a rural area, I had to contact the state police to get a uh, form for my insurance company because they destroyed the door on the RV. So we told the state trooper what we were involved in, and we told them outright we thought it was probably some government agency and the guy was really great. He said, look, he says, I don't care if I find out anything. He said, I will tell you. So Betty and I thought, well, this is great. Maybe there'll be a lead or, you know, some kind of break. Well, about yeah. a week went by, and I, I went down to his office to talk to him and see what happened. I get there, and there's a different trooper there. So I asked for the trooper that we had talked to, and he said, oh, he's been transferred. Well, <laughs> where's he been transferred to? Oh, gee, I can't tell you. I don't know. So it's amazing how these people can disappear. <laughs> yeah, when they try to befriend you, and they, they're sure. gone. So, yeah, that's it's horrible. I mean, it's... And every, every bit of this is unusual. Even the IRS, we had three or four audits in a row. The first audit, they asked Betty mostly what she had seen, what the beings looked like, what the craft looked like. <laughs> Kind of unusual During an audit. During an the audit, IRS. they're asking her these questions. Oh, my God. Well, it gets much better. Once, as I said, after Larry Warren had come to us and the surveillance was really heavy, the IRS got really nasty. 
they refused to take canceled checks I had made out to the city for, you know, sewer taxes, water, stuff like that, uh, checking account, savings account. I had to go to the banks and get statements. I had to go to the city and get statements if things, things were paid and whatnot. And my CPA, he said, look, this is pure harassment. And their answer was, well, the IRS doesn't harass people who have UFO sightings. Well, why else won't they accept my canceled checks? And exactly. There was one, one humorous part, and I hope, I think my daughter in Connecticut, Wendy, is listening tonight. So oh, she right. forgives me for this. <laughs> but I was at another, the last audit, and they, had, they asked for documents that were more than 12 years old. And you know by law, you don't have to give them documents that are more than seven years old. So yeah. I said, no. I said, I'm not going to provide those. I don't have to, and I'm not giving them to you. And the auditor said, well, he said, we can audit your ex-wife and get that information. Well, she <laughs> might even get along too good at that time, so I told him, well, you better go for it then. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was incredible. Nasty, but as I said, at that time, we didn't get along too good, so I saw that as an easy out. That uh, was they a, made a, a smart threat <laughs> for them to make. <laughs> they didn't well, do they, their they homework also, they, they also called me, uh, called us in, in Florida and wanted us to come back to Connecticut for an audit. And I said, well, I said, oh, they did offer me a chance to do the audit in Florida. I said, well, all my papers and documents are in Connecticut. And I said, well, we want to get back here for an audit. And I said, okay. I said, well, the trip back for this audit is going to be tax deductible. So they didn't like that. And then when I got there, I told them, I said, if my tax changes by it, no, they first sent me a letter, too, and said they wanted permission. They wanted me to sign a letter that I wouldn't try to sue them. I don't know what that was about. Yeah. That's asking for a lot. That I, they wouldn't be held responsible for something. I, I don't even remember at this day, but I thought it was weird, and I never signed it anyway. And I told them if I take that trip back, then it's going to be a taxi up to the front. So... We started off on a bad foot right from the beginning of the audit on that one. They got into a shouting match. But the last year, what I did, I slightly overpaid my taxes. And guess what? That was like insurance because we haven't got called back since. Oh, see? So <laughs> that worked out pretty well. But there was but again, also... This level of this level of harassment is, is unbelievable, but there's even more. I mean, it gets worse. Talk about the time that you and Betty and your dog also were at the effect of some type of gas in your home, and then you were injected also that night. Tell us about that. It was horrible. That was in Cheshire as well, and we had had turned in for the night, went to bed. both, Both of us were working at that time. So we turned in probably around 11 o'clock, and later on in the evening, I woke up and I heard, clearly heard two male voices in in the kitchen. And the way the house was situated, the bedroom we were in, there was a short hallway out of that bedroom. And then to the right was the girls' bedroom. And then off to the, in front of the girls' bedroom was the kitchen. Well, I heard these two men clearly. So I, I looked, we had a big uh, Belgian shepherd. He was about a 110-pound dog. And he usually barked if anyone was near the house. Well, I looked at the dog. He got up, 
his hind legs were on the floor. He got up on his front legs, and all of a sudden they just slid right out from under him, and he went flat on his face on the floor. So I said, well, something's definitely wrong here. So I reached in my nightstand. I had a cup of 38 in my nightstand, and I was going to go confront whoever was there. Well, the next thing I knew, it was morning, and I had a killer headache. Betty woke up, and she said she had a really bad headache as well. So we had breakfast, got dressed, went to our respective jobs, came home that night, and she said that her left arm had been really killing her all day. I said, that's funny. My right arm has been hurting me all day because I'm left-handed. She's right-handed. So we took off our jackets and shirt sleeves, and each of us had uh, her on her left arm, had approximately an inch and a quarter diameter black and blue mark with a puncture in the middle. I had the exact same thing on my right arm. So we had been injected with something during the night, and I don't know if these guys were looking for something or were questioning us under the influence of whatever it was. But now we had a problem because what am I going to do? Are we going to call the, the police and say somebody broke in and drugged us in our home? and we're involved in a UFO phenomena, you know what would have happened. <laughs> we both would have ended up oh, in a yeah. loony bin. That's so, right. You know, yeah, we were just we were just plain mm-hmm. stuck with that. I mean, there's, there's nothing I could do. I called our doctor and asked him if anything would show up on a blood test. He said, no, it was too late already that whatever could have been used wouldn't show up in a blood test anyway. So, you know, again, we were just left with... Nothing to do except put up with it. Unfortunately, that's the way it went. Yes, and, you know, here's the other thing that I've always wondered about, because certainly they use gas, you know, and and I even read a story a couple years ago where a Formula One driver and his wife were robbed. They were in a French chalet somewhere, and the robbers, you know, used gas. They put it in their ventilation system and knocked them out and took all their jewelry. So it's... You know, it's been known to happen even with a regular burglary. But when the government is doing this to you, how do you know that you don't have an effect later on that causes an illness or something? You know, you don't know. Yeah, it they could don't. really and affect your health. I mean, have... Sure. Um, I've looked into this over time, and the government does have several what they call, I guess they call them sleep agents. And uh-huh. I, I assume what they did was put something through the window to keep to put us out lightly and then come in the house and then inject us. I think that's yeah. probably the way it went. So, but anyways, you know, the whole thing of this is, if they'd have come and said, what did you see, what happened, you know, what transpired, we would have told them. Yeah, yeah you simple. had nothing to hide. You had nothing to hide. No. And you really wanted to give the information to them. And then they, have to, they had to play this cloak and dagger game, which was totally uncalled for and dangerous. Oh, sure. There's no sure. reason for there were, it. There were other things, too, strong indications. Like I, fortunately, I saved things. And I sent, I took pictures of one of the helicopters that was circling us, and I sent it to Bell Helicopter in Texas, and that's where the Hueys are manufactured. And I contacted their um, public relations guy. His name was Dick Tipton. And I sent him the photograph, and I said, what model is this, and so on. And he said this helicopter did not leave here in this configuration. He said, we built the helicopter, but it has been modified by the Air Force 
or psychological warfare uh, back as far as Vietnam. So I have that letter to this day. So why is a helicopter built for psychological warfare circling us? Yes. That's a little unusual, let's say. A little scary, (laughs) too. But but these things happen all for uh, 20 years. And we were living in Virginia for a while, in Hayes, Virginia. And I took a picture of a black helicopter right from our front door. In the background, there turned up a cigar-shaped, looked like a cigar-shaped craft of some sort. So we're right near NASA Langley, so I called them. They've got a terrific photo interpretation lab there. So I called them, and I said, hey, I got, got this picture I took here. Something unusual showed up in it. I said, would you all be interested in looking at it? You know what the answer was? No. What? <laughs> why? Why wouldn't they be interested? They, yeah. Probably because they don't want to admit, you know. Um, but the the uh, so that was a lot of the surveillance by helicopter. But there was also a lot on the ground. And one that this one you'll probably appreciate. I know you're familiar with the Oxbow Campground in Hillsborough, New Hampshire. Because right. you were there with us. Okay. Well, Betty and I took a weekend, and we figured we'd go up to the campground. It was hot summer, and I said, it's a beautiful place to stay. But this time, instead of the RV, we took a tent. So we got up there just about dusk, and pulled in, and we got a, a nice spot right next to the river or the stream. And we put the soda and everything in the water. I figured it'd be nice and cool being in there overnight. Had our tent set up, put a stake in the ground right in front of the tent, and tied our big dog up there. So about hmm, six, eight minutes after we got there, this black uh, SUV pulls in directly in the lot right across from us. And this guy gets out. And for one thing, he's a little well-dressed for camping. For another <laughs> thing, he try, he tries to put up his tent, and he can't. He starts cursing a blue streak, picks up stuff, throws it in the back of the SUV, and went and slept in the SUV. I think this was our tale for that night. Oh, my God. Oh, that ain't so funny. Um, I'm pretty sure he was not happy with his assignment for that weekend. Uh, that way. That's life. The other thing I want to mention, too, uh, I mentioned briefly Larry Warren. Now, he witnessed a UFO landing at Bentwaters Air Force Base in England. And he has been severely traumatized, not so much by the sighting, but by people. He was beaten. Uh, One time he had his head split open. Another time somebody tried to run him over, and only bystanders got him out of the way after they had beaten him. So... A lot of people have gotten really on Larry's case, and he's lying and this and that. Well, recently, Larry took three separate lie detector tests. They were given by one of the best polygraph uh, examiners in the UK who also does work for MI5. And all three, he passed with flying colors. And there is a movie being made now, I think I mentioned it to you, about Larry's experience there. People have said that, Larry said that there were movies taken and the military denied it. 
However, they now have the man that bought the movies to the waiting aircraft to be sent back to the U.S. They mm-hmm. said that there was no radar tracks of any UFOs. They now have the radar operator that said not only there were, they had the radar tracks, they had them when they were over the nuclear missile silos and scanning the silos. So this should be pretty interesting, and a lot of these people that are trying to beat Larry down are going to have a little problem now because the evidence in his favor has swung in his favor considerably. Well, thank God because uh, Larry's a straight-up guy. He's a very credible witness, like you, like Betty and Travis Walton. Also, I mean Betty and Barney Hill, and they've all been terrorized to some extent, some greater than others, by whether it's the government, shadow government, combination of all of the above. And it's just absolutely uncalled for. I know Larry is the same as you and Betty, that anybody who wanted to know anything, he was happy to talk about it. But again, the military seems to want to keep all of this some big, deep, dark secret, even though everybody nowadays who has a cell phone can take a photograph of these things that are flying around in the sky and more and more are being reported daily. So enough already. I mean, it's just crazy to keep trying to put the kibosh on it. It's it's just not the yeah, case. But, but I do have to say something else about why they were so interested in you, if you don't mind. Um, sure. Betty is an incredible artist, and she's supremely talented. I know she's self-taught, but she's really an excellent artist. And I think that's yeah, one of the you. reasons they were so interested in you guys, because she was able to recall in such great detail and then reproduce it on canvas you know, with drawings and paintings mm-hmm. and right down to the finest detail, I think that's another big reason why they were, you know, going around and, and following you everywhere you went. It was almost like they were waiting for more information that they could, could grab on this from you. But again, you well, offered to give it to them. It, it's funny you should mention that because she used to get messages like telepathically, and when the messages would start, when we lived in Cheshire, almost immediately, I don't know how they did it, but the helicopters would show up and the messages would stop. Mm, Perhaps they had equipment to jam whatever the signal was. Perhaps they were looking for the source. You know, we really don't know that for sure. But there is another reason why they're keeping all this technology from the UFO phenomena so quiet, and it's I'll tell you exactly, it's money and power. And a a perfect example, I worked for a place in Florida. I was a hydrogen fuel cell uh, research technician. The company I worked for had built a tremendous uh, idea object that you could put in your home, Patricia. It would make heat, hot water, and electricity, and zero pollutants but it didn't need oil or you didn't have to be hooked up to the grid to use it. Now, this had been tested and tested. We were ready to go into production. They were looking for a factory to buy to start uh, making these things to sell to the general public. Along came ExxonMobil. All of a sudden, we come into work one day, about a month or so after ExxonMobil visited, there's a sign on the door that says, go to the conference room at the Ramada Inn. So we're all thinking, hey, great, you know, they got the factory, we're going to get going. 
Well, we get to the Ramada Inn, and we're met by attorneys from ExxonMobil. We all got the acts. We all had to sign non-disclosure agreements. That was in 2001, and I have not seen those things on the market anywhere yet, and they were they are ready to go. They were finished. They were tested. They were ready for the public. But that means if you had that in your house, you could tell the power company to keep their power. You could tell the oil company, sorry, don't need any. And uh, that's why it's off the market, and that's why they are so worried about the UFO technology getting in the hands of the public because you won't need to buy gasoline. You you know, the oil co- it'll be the end of the oil companies. It'll be the end of the monopolies of the electric companies. Um, and the people that are in power now that have all the money and have all the control, really, even they control the governments, they'll be out on their butt. That's right. Money that's right. Speaks. And uh, that, that's the biggest fear. Now, Ben, ben Rich... He was the head of Lockheed Skunk Works. This is a man that's in a position to know technology. That's where some of our most advanced military technology had come from. Now, I'm going to read a statement to you directly from him that he made publicly. He said, we already have the means to travel among the stars, but these technologies are locked up in black projects, and it would take an act of God to ever get them out to benefit humanity. He also went on to say, anything you can imagine, we already know how to do. And then he continued about UFOs. He said there's two types of UFOs, the ones we build and the ones they build. We've learned from both crash retrievals and actual hand-me-downs. The government knew and until 1969 took an active hand in the administration of that information. After a 1969 Nixon purge, Administration was handled by an international board of directors in the private sector. That's where the fear of loss of money comes in. Wow, that's very powerful, very powerful. And and certainly that is, I think, one of, you're right, one of the biggest reasons why they don't want this information out. And I think the other reason is because they don't want us to know that there's something out there that they can't control that's much more powerful than them, that has more incredible oh, technology. And other it's things, technology. too. I mean, because not only are we talking here about extraterrestrials, but we're also talking about interdimensionals. They pop in and out of our world. They make a quick entrance. They make a quick exit. And that's sure. going on also. And, again, they don't want us to know that these things are happening and they can't keep us safe. They can't protect their own, our own skies. They don't want us to know that. I mean, we should know that by now. I mean, anybody who's paying attention should know that by now. Oh, sure, sure. The even another thing that most people aren't aware, most people think Betty and I are just abductees and whatnot, but over the years I've interviewed people from every branch of the military. I had Marines tell me that they'd seen craft rising out of the jungles of Vietnam. I had sailors write and tell me of sightings they had aboard the USS Roosevelt while in the Navy. And I filed on the Navy for this information, and they did not refuse the information to me, but they told me it would cost $200,000 to search their files. 
Oh, my God. Oh, sure. We'll just write that check. Well, just for Yahas, I also filed on the Navy for, remember the um, the Philadelphia experiment? Yeah. Oh, yes. I filed on the Navy asking for copies of the ship's log for the days that that Philadelphia experiment supposedly took place. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know, they wrote back and said they lost them. They lost oh, them. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> they lose. They lose a lot of stuff. Those guys. I guess they but, do. Uh, <laughs> they really are, right? I was yeah. I was surprised recently to see that the Navy had released that footage. I'm sure you saw, you saw. In fact, I think you sent it to me. Where the uh, Navy did. fighter? Yeah. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, that thing was pacing one of our aircraft carriers for days, and they were unable to do anything about it other than photograph it. Yeah, and uh, it I went thought, invisible yeah. on them too. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's they had that ship has the most advanced radar technology that we have, and yet they couldn't, they could not keep a solid track on the thing. I so think I it's that hilarious was, that. It, but they're letting these things out. I'm sure, you know, I know you, PK, and I have discussed this uh, quite a bit. They've let these things out a little bit at a time in a soft disclosure mode. But my question yeah. is, why now? Why now? Because you know, and you especially know, Bob, how they've been denying this up and down one side and down the other. I mean, they just deny, deny, deny. But now they're letting these things out, and there has to be a reason. So I'm curious well, to, to know what you think about that. Pretty soon they're not going to be able to stop it. They're not going to be able to stop it. It's going to it's going to happen in large numbers, and they're mm-hmm. just going to look like fools for what they've done all along so far. You know, they might have had a reason for the secrecy after Roswell, right after World War II, and all. Yeah, okay. They carried it too far. They lied too often and too long. They got the corporations involved, the greedy corporations, and now there's a real problem there because they don't know how to get how to get rid of the problem. But it's going to come well, whether they like it or not. Well, well that's October, I think right. Let's say from oh. October of this year on, there's going to be things that are going to come out so fast and furious it won't even be funny. And from Beautiful. October to the end of the year, and then throughout all of next year, we're going to get things communications of sorts that we haven't even thought of, but they're going to make it look like it's very scattered, but all of a sudden it'll start to focus back together around October of next year where it's detailed and they can't run away anymore. I love it because the American people, uh, unfortunately, most people are so busy, like two parents working and whatnot, to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. People don't have time to do the research and to see the real truth of what's happening. And that's that's kind of a shame, but it's the way it is. But so that's how it is. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the pressures are are intense on people to make a living and to take care of their families. It's it's not easy today. It's, I hope it's getting better. I know the economy is improving greatly, so I'm hoping well, that there will be less pressure. It has and been maybe planned people can that look into way. Oh, your, yeah. your money today goes a lot <laughs> a lot less far than it did. 20, 30 years ago, ah, even well, even when you're comparing the yeah the the, the rates at that time, um, and it's it, it's intentional. They want people kept busy, and if they can, kept stupid. I hate to say mm-hmm. it, definitely. 
There's a dumbing down. Well, yes, you're right. Absolutely. And then nobody can question because they don't have the brain power to do it. Well, so, yes, yes, it keeps, it keeps the pressure off of them. Sure. There's a couple of things I wanted to mention, too, before I get. I said before at the beginning of the show that there were some predictions and whatnot. And yes. I want to bring these up now because we haven't talked about these. Now, keep in mind, these predictions were made in the 1970s, okay? And they are recorded, and they are written down in booklets, and the booklets are dated. So, you know, it's not like they're just new predictions. These are from the 70s. And the first one states, no one place shall be capable of predicting the weather. And... Ah. It will be cataclysmic weather in the future. Now, this is written in the 70s. I think we're seeing that today. Mm -hmm. We certainly are, yes. The other one says sweeping chain storms and blackouts can be expected. And then another one said you will see snow in the strangest places. So let's take that one. The CNN article. Ann Suffra is a small town on the northern edge of the Sahara, the hottest desert in the world. But on Sunday, the town's sand dunes were coated with snow after an intense winter storm, January 9th, 2018. The Atacama Desert in Chile. Snowfall began on July 3rd, 2011. Lasted for several days. Thanks to an Antarctic pole front, parts of the region received 32 inches of snow. This is unheard of. Right. January 11, 2008. Baghdad sometimes has seen sleet and hail, but snow has never been seen in living memory. However, it snowed January 11, 2008. Now, here's another one that might get you. It says a mountain will lose its top as a lake disappears. I believe that just happened at Mount Kilauea in Hawaii. It May is? 3rd, the, mount, the mountain blew and they lost a 400-year-old lake. Now, here's one that a lot of people may not like, especially if you live in the east. I don't mean the east coast of the United States. I mean the east part of the world. Mm-hmm. So the air will take on an odorous stench. The ground will blacken and then turn gray. Those to the west will not feel the waves, but those in the east will suffer the graves. The taste in the air shall bitter the tongue. Blisters will form on the skin and in the scalp. Now, this has something to do with this. I've shortened it considerably, but this has something to do with the sun because they mentioned it's it's something to do with soul, uh, S-O-L. And it Mm -hmm. sounds like, like a massive CME or something like that. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it does sound like some some type of uh, situation where where the sun gets so strong that it burns. I mean, it, we know the ozone layer is depleted in some places almost completely. So right, maybe right. it is something to do with that. But certainly the other uh, predictions are very clear, and they've already happened. So this other one yeah, that- about, yeah, the eastern part of the world, that's that's. It's going to take a little more, I think, to decode, to understand what exactly this is saying. But certainly about the taste and the odor. I mean, there's. It, I wonder what that could be. What do you think, PK? Have any thoughts on that? 
Well, I'm just thinking about it. One of the things you're, you're hearing about is in the Middle East is the difference in the aroma of things. And they're talking about because of the uh, population and the things as they're sitting now, nothing is normal. And there's much more. They're they're wearing masks in uh, Japan in that area as it is now. Can you imagine with the shift of something more taking place there? And it's more than just the odor. The odor odor is almost like burnt flesh mm. and because they've also had that nuclear reactor that continues to melt down and leak yes. into the ocean and so i wonder if there's something more coming with that not nuclear war necessarily but no. uh, the nuclear uh the nuclear power plant and how that has yeah. they have never stabilized mm-hmm. that thing well, I don't. Yeah, I think you can eliminate nuclear war because if it was, I'm yeah. sure that the yeah. West would also get, you know, have right. damage. Exactly. Right. But if it's just that power plant that's still an issue, and perhaps something happens there, because the way the in the prediction the land is described, it sounds like it it becomes useless land. It turns gray. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't see if it's not very bright to build that where they built it in the first place. Right. <laughs> knowing how prone they are to earthquakes, right? I mean, you know, and and we've done the same thing on the west coast. We have we have uh, nuclear plants that are either on or very near fault lines, which is just right. doesn't make sense. Just no. And these are these are built by some of our so-called bright scientists. Well, I will yeah, right. I don't think so. Now, also, uh, Bob, those booklets, uh, those were written by Betty. These were prophecies that came to her from the beings. Is that true? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And are those still available for sale? Yeah, I think think what we're going to do is print print them up, and I think we will start to sell them because, first off, I think we need to get a lot of people looking at them to try to decode some of the stuff that's in there, because some of it's straightforward and some of it's very difficult to understand. So uh, yeah, I know we don't they have a reference point for it. Yeah, right. But they do mention several things about the sun, and what I find interesting there, you know, there's a this big thing now about global warming. But what they're mm-hmm. not telling you, a number of scientists are saying that Mars is heating up, and so are some of the moons of Saturn. Now. Okay. That can't be anything we're doing. Uh, that would mean no, the sun is putting out more radiation. Exactly. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to see what uh, <laughs> you know what happens. Now oh, you have a website. Yep. Okay, but before you go there, I just want to tell people, you know, how they can uh, go to your website, and if you do start to sell the booklets again, they can get those. So that's um, theandreasonaffair.com, and that's still an active site where people can go. And once you have right. those uh, booklets for sale, then you can make a little announcement or something there. And we will, too. We'll let yeah. people know when you have printed them off and they're available again. Excellent. Now, there's another thing I want to bring up that's never been mentioned. is not in any of the books. And I was uh, kind of hesitant to talk about this for a long time. But when we lived in Hayes, Virginia, which was a period of five years, after we were there two years... I'd hurt my back really bad. I mean, just to stand up and put the weight of my body on it was excruciating. I, I 
had to lay down. I didn't. I was out of work for almost a year and a half, and I had been to uh, four or five doctors. I'd been to the hospital and had X-rays. They said I had degeneration of the lower spine, and in my neck, they wanted to do an operation where they go through your throat and they open you up from the inside and put a rod inside uh, the neck to, to help support yeah. the. Uh, yeah, that's what I said. And I was in so much no, pain, I, I I considered it. I did go to a surgeon and whatnot and considered it. And then I thought, the more I thought about it, I said, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to live like that. Well, anyway, what happened was, um, going to bed at night there, I started to wake up in the morning, and I had this pink stains, sometimes on my shorts, sometimes on my T-shirt, and sometimes I wouldn't see it, but when I took a shower and I'd wipe myself with a big, fluffy, white towel, the towel would turn all pink within a very short time. And this happened probably eight or nine times during the course of the, the time that we lived there. And all that was in, uh, we moved out of there in 1999. And this world went on right up till 1998, and all of a sudden, after this stuff happened, I have not had a back pain since. Now, I've wow. got the x-rays from the hospital that show degeneration of the spine, and yet I have no problem today. So I think, I, I was hesitant for a long time to say I was healed, but I don't know what else I can say because they got my medical records and different doctors saying that I needed back surgery and today I don't. Now, I contacted Dr. David Jacobs, who you know is a researcher. Uh, I guess oh, yeah. he's a professor. And yes, he is. He had, uh, yeah, he had had a number of people that had sent him garments from uh, when they had abductions and had this pink stuff on it. And I, I believe the first one was Betty Hill that had that uh, pinkish stain oh, on her job. dress. Right, right, right. And she showed us that when we were at her house, by the way. And it, who who knew then? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, he said he had sent this to several different labs, and no one could determine what this substance was. And I don't know. I, I know Betty said on one occasion when she had been abducted, they put her in some kind of liquid and I don't know if it was something for decontamination or what but it's making me wonder I, I don't have any recall of being taken anywhere um, you know and, and certainly when you wake up in the morning and your shorts are on backwards and they're pink you generally get an <laughs> idea that something went on during the night most definitely <laughs> I think or, something or, did. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't have any recall of anything unusual other than going to sleep. Um, th there was one night in that house where I got up early, uh, used the restroom, and the whole room was full of little sparkling white lights. And I wrote Ray Fowler about that and asked if he had any other cases where someone had seen that. But, I mean, there was nothing to it other than all these little, look like little tiny fireflies all through the room. But, again, um, I hadn't heard of any other cases that had seen anything like that. 
and my my vision is excellent. My eyes are were in very good shape at that time, um, so I don't think I had a you know a vision problem. There's just so many things that happen to you that you don't really understand, and you'd like to have answers to. The other thing that we had a lot of, as you know, was paranormal activity. Oh yeah. And yes. thank goodness we had. Uh, some very good witnesses to that um, in uh, Larry Fawcett, for instance. And one night, the psychiatrist who examined Betty initially was in our area. He called up about 9 o'clock. He said, I'd like to come down and, and do a follow-up visit or exam, whatever. So we said, sure, why not? So we went and met him at the hotel he was at and brought him to our home. Well, he he ended up staying until 5.30 in the morning. So it was an interesting <laughs> night, a long conversation. But while we were all sitting there, there was a huge crash in the kitchen. Now, the only people in the house were the three of us. And we had no animals then at that time. So we went out and looked. Nothing was disturbed. So here you've got a highly qualified psychiatrist as a witness. I said, this is pretty good. Then at 5.30 in the morning, we went out. And we were, he had two dogs that he was uh, with him because he was moving. So he let them out on the front yard for a while. We were talking. It's about 5.30 or so. It's just getting light. And over the house, there is this huge, like, quarter-mile-long cigar-shaped cloud. And it's very dense in the middle. And on the edges, you can just barely see some starlights shining through it. Now, the interesting thing was it was a bit breezy, and some of the clouds were moving, but this was not. It was perfectly stationary right over us. So finally he looked, he turned, he looked at me, he said, did you see that? I said, yeah, <laughs> but I wasn't going to mention it until you saw it first. <laughs> you saw it first, right? You know, and that, well, you know, that was just one small... Yeah, and it's oh, so go ahead, good that you, you've kept your sense of humor through it all because this is the kind of stuff that can make people go crazy. It make, can make them very paranoid, uh, very upset because you don't know what's around any corner here. You don't know what to expect next. I mean, you were being terrorized. They were trying to terrorize you. Those helicopters were built for psychological warfare. So definitely they were trying to intimidate you. But you've kept your sense of humor through it all. You were happy to play practical jokes on them, like with your little ground-to-air missile, which is adorable. <laughs> I'm sure they didn't think so, but we think it's great. And, you know, one thing I do want to mention, too, uh, on the air, and this is important. I, and You know I did this, Bob. I approached a friend of ours who works for CBS News. And he's a producer. Mm-hmm. I remember. Yep. And, yeah, I called him up and I said, I think this is a really important story to cover. And this is on the heels of you having your computer hacked into. Mm -hmm. And you had proof about the computer being hacked into, which I'm going to ask you to share if you don't mind. And But when I talked to the CBS producer about it, I said, look, we now have proof that this happened, along with a long history of events and many witnesses. Why don't you cover the story of the abduction, uh, the UFO abduction people that have been harassed. It, this shouldn't be happening, as you said, Bob. This is a free country. Why are people being harassed? This needs to be brought out in the open. And his response right. just totally floored me. 
his response was, well, if they had this UFO experience and they saw this technology and these people from other planets, then I think they should be followed. And I was, I I could not believe my ears. I could not believe my (laughs) ears. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? These people have not broken the law. The government can't legally do this. And you're telling me you think it's okay? It's not. It's even worse. It's even worse, Patricia. For I had filed on the FBI for any information they had on us years ago. They said they had nothing. Well, after I hounded them and hounded them and finally went to the FBI headquarters here in Virginia, I have a letter stating that they had a file on us, but I can't see it because it has since been destroyed. And as you know, my computer was hacked by the department two agencies within the Department of Defense. I have proof. I have a letter of admission that the computers belong one to the Army and one to the Navy and what specific departments, which I was really surprised. People can see the actual documents from the government in the book. Even though I have all this information, I tried to follow up. I went to to ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, Huffington Post, even the little dinky news station we have here in Martinsville. Not one place would cover it, even though I have the documentation. What are they afraid of? What are they afraid of? It's it's horrible. I mean, this is something... I could see, you know, uh, somebody on Fox News covering it, but even they weren't interested in in putting no, it forward. I wrote, yeah, I wrote Fox News as well. I mean, I wrote local stations. I wrote the, the uh, uh, national stations, and no one has even given me the courtesy of a reply. So I would say that uh, someone is putting the pressure on the news media not to bring this mm-hmm. stuff out. Yes, and also just and, to bring the stuff out that they want brought out and in the time frame that they dictate. So, again, yeah. this has nothing you know, to do with telling us the truth. This has everything to do with controlling the truth. Oh, absolutely. You know, this, this hasn't hurt Betty and I too badly because, as you said, we do have a sense of humor, and we'll get back at them one way or another, you know, just for the heck of it. <laughs> but some people, like uh, Officer Shermer, who had a, uh, an experience while on duty, I think it was in 1967, that guy lost his wife, his job, his house. Then you had one of the highly credible witnesses, police, uh, state police officer Lonnie Zamora, who had a sighting in New Mexico of a craft mm-hmm. on the ground. That was investigated by the FBI, by the Air Force. Dr. Hynek was there. Highly credible sighting. The guy got so harassed, he gave up his job as a state trooper and ended up working as a um, gas station manager. Uh, They're hurting people's lives, and they really don't give a rat's butt. You know? No, they don't care. Yep. Yeah, that's wrong. It's wrong. If I ever... I always thought if I ever hit the lottery or make millions of dollars, by God, I'll get this broadcast all over the country if I have to go state to state myself and do it. I know. Well, thank God for technology. Today, you can put it right on YouTube and and let everybody know. And that's why we're so grateful, Bob, for you to come on the show tonight and share this with our audience because we have a very, very good audience here that, that loves to know the truth. 
it's always a pleasure because you people want to get the truth out to the public, and they so badly need it. And it, it's not, you know, just our case. Or it, it's all of them. They, they need to know how many people have had these problems. And not only this, you know there's a lot of other bad things going on in the country, like with the big pharma and the, our oh, food yeah. and things like that. Yeah. I have gotten passionate about that since since finding all the lies in government regarding the UFO phenomena, I have started to investigate things involved with big pharma, medicine, our food supply. Great. And it is just appalling what is happening to the American public. I, I'm going to just say quickly, if there's a minute, that they have yes. done animal studies so far. And with uh, rats that are similar to us in ways, they have fed them nothing but GMO food. And they found by the third generation, they cannot reproduce. They also know for a fact, right now, men are becoming sterile. Right. And this is a fact. It's scientifically mm-hmm. researched. So why And this is another is prediction, too, that Betty made, yeah. right? Because I remember right. years ago when she said this was going to happen. Oh. And it has. Absolutely. Yeah, it's happening. It's scientifically verified. But why is our government allowing Monsanto to do these things? In fact, I believe President Obama, if I remember correctly, I think the former CEO of Monsanto Chemical was appointed head of the FDA by Obama. Oh, how lovely. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. And, I, and this is, this is something gonna... that we, we, we all face this, you know, where these people get in bed with each other and it's to their benefit, to their bank account's benefit, it is not to our benefit. And so we really have to pay attention. And, again, Bob, this is why we're so glad you came on the show tonight. Unfortunately, we're going to have to end, but we're going to have you back. That's for sure. There's so much more to talk oh, about so. here. And well, maybe so sometime we're going we we to talk, maybe, maybe talk about big pharma and our food supply. Yeah, oh, let's do that next. We're going to plan on it. Now, next week, everybody, we are going to have Deborah Peach come and talk about unhooking from the matrix. She's got a way to do it, and she's going to share that with all of us. So be sure to join us next week. And until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, ladies. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girl. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.